Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. Yay, you all look fresh and, I don't know, like Easter. I don't know what that looks like. But, and uh, we are... Why do I feel so short behind this thing? What's the <laughs> Just going to stand this side. <laughs> Very intimidated suddenly by this. <laughs> anyway, we're so happy to be here with you guys. It's amazing. JC, Janine, thank you so much for inviting us again. I do have a word for you guys, but I'm building it a little bit, so we'll get there. But it's awesome. Lots of birthdays today. So it's your, your birthday. It's Ben's birthday. Hey, Ben. It's my son. It's his ninth birthday. It's ninth birthday. So, so obviously we know what we were doing while you were planting a church, you know. So, <laughs> she was giving birth. That's what we were doing then. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, we're excited about this weekend. Eh? Trusting God for something special, and um, I really know He's got in a. Um, it's like a while back. I woke up one night and. Kind of his, this phrase was just going through my mind the whole night, and, and the Lord kept on saying to me, do not miss your time of visitation. Don't miss your time of visitation. And I felt it, it like kept going for hours. That's what it felt like. It's just over and over. The Lord kind of almost prompting me, just saying, don't miss the season of visitation that's upon us. And, and that's, that's where we are at. It's just we're, we're in a season where we're just going, Lord, we... We are so grateful for everything that you have done. Uh, we're so grateful for the stories, but it's funny, like even my testimonies or <laughs> the testimonies that we have with the Lord, it's like I, they feel, I don't know how to put it, it's just, I want something more, you know, I just, I need, we need an encounter with Jesus, we need a visitation of the Lord, right? Amen? Amen. Yeah. And so, so I hope that this weekend that that will be the focus, you know, that we won't look to any man, we were, and it's kind of funny, I think God stripped that away already a little bit <laughs> over the weekend, you know, and, and it's just like him going, it's, it's about him, right, it's about Jesus. Um, it's interesting, they say in the Azusa Street Revival, so the, like the two main guys, were, you know, Frank Bottleman was kind of one of the main players in that, that outpouring, and the other one was a, a man called William Seymour, who was blind in the one eye, so it's kind of funny. Uh, Seymour, but anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, a silly joke. Um, yeah, it was silly. Anyway, but, um, but Bottleman, the build up to the revival, he, he, would, he would say like, you know, that he lost a child. It, it, was, it went through a lot of hardship. And um, when you read his story, he said like he was just absolutely just you know, the Lord just grabbed his heart uh, for prayer and intercession, and, and, you know, he kind of went on. And one of the biggest rebukes that he would give to churches in that season, wherever he went to preach before this outpouring took place in Azusa, the one thing that he kept going, he would go to them and he'd said, why are you guys waiting for the pastor? Why, why are you waiting for him? Your expectation should be on Jesus. And he was just like in their faces the whole time about this thing, you know. Seymour, before he would preach, uh, well, I don't really know what he did, but, but it, it was just like this outpouring. Nobody really knew who was leading it. 
And William Seymour would, would sit and, and he would have this little orange box or, or, you know, which oranges would be put in. And literally he would run behind the, the stage and he would put the box over his head so that nobody could see him because he just felt he didn't want the focus to go away from the one who deserved it. Isn't that awesome? And, um, and let it be so this weekend. So this morning I want to I share with you a little bit. We're, we're going to just travel a bit through Scripture. But, but you know, it's, it's Easter. It's... it's, it's the day Jesus was crucified, not really, but it is, you know, we're celebrating it. Uh, we should celebrate it every day, by the way, but it's, it's an awesome time to get together and to be reminded of the wonder of the cross, right? It, it, is, it was and is still the greatest day in history. It literally is. It, it changed history. It changed the world. Whether they believe it or don't believe it, even the calendar says it changed things, right? It, 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 it's the moment in creation, right? It's the moment that, that still heaven celebrates. I, I found this quote. I, f- I thought it was beautiful. Um, if I can find it. This is Oswald Chambers. I don't know much about him, but I thought this was cool. He said, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell terribly afraid of it, while men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was quite amazing, right? It's like every realm acknowledges the power of this day and of what happened, you know. And, and Jesus goes in, in John chapter 17. It's John, I've preached on John 17 probably, I think it's like your Mark 16. It's my, John 17 is just like, you know, we have a friend, <laughs> Dima Krikovsky, right? He's a Russian like born to a South African lady, but every time when he sees me, like, and they met like 10 years ago, maybe, I think, every time he sees me, he goes, so how is Mark, three, how is Mark 16 doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> but John 17, Jesus is standing, it, it is the moment before the greatest night in history, right? And he's sitting with, with his uh, disciples, and, and I mean, they're having these intimate conversations, and we're going to touch on a couple of those conversations over the weekend. And John 17 is, to me, I don't know why, but, but it, something about that chapter makes me want to weep, because it's, it's God praying to God. So it's like you, you actually see what God prays when he prays. You know, it's like when Jesus prays, this is the kind of things that he prays, which is to me like... Okay, you know, and Jesus stands up in the midst of him, and, and there's three, he says, and, and he makes this statement, he says, and this is eternal life, all right, do you know it? And this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and that they may know the Son. This is eternal life, is that you actually get to know God, right? The knowledge of the Lord, knowing who he is. That's eternal life. And throughout that prayer, Jesus keeps praying these things, and he goes, you know, they're not of this world, and, you know, all of this stuff. And then he goes and he says, Father, I have this one thing that I want. Like, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. What is that about? That's about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing who he is, knowing how exalted he is, knowing how glorified he is, knowing how majestic he is. And Jesus, this is the instruction, this is the prayer, this is the statement he gives those guys, and he says, listen, to know me is eternal life, right? It's not one day when I die, it's, it's knowing God, 
That's what it's about. That's, that's the story, right? And the story of this weekend is about knowing God. The story of the cross is about Jesus exposing himself and saying, this is who I am. And if you see me, you're going to see the Father, right? That's the revelation of the cross. This is what Jesus is trying to get through. It's not about a man. It's not about anything other than that. It's about knowing God, knowing God. Do you know God? Another one of my favorite chapters, Matthew 16, Jesus sits with them and he goes, so who do you say I am? Right? And they go, oh, the people. And he goes, no, no, no. who do you say that I am? Because that's important. Right? What is your revelation about who I am? Right? And he starts this night. It's the greatest night. And he goes on. And, and when I hear that, it kind of reminds me of Genesis 15, verse 1, right? Where... And just a bit of background, it's God with Abram, right? And Abram just had this moment. He just defeated the four kings. He saved his nephew or his cousin, whatever it is, right? Lot, okay? That guy needed deliverance, by the way. Lot, I don't know what's up with him. Anyway, maybe we'll meet in heaven and then I'll understand what happened there. But we've got to have a talk about some stuff, Lot. <laughs> we don't even want our children to read that story. You know, it's like, what did you do? <laughs> anyway. So Abram had a massive victory, right? It's a good day in Abram's world, right? He just defeated four kings. Uh, all the bounty is his. He walks away with tremendous riches. Like, you know, it's a really awesome day if you're Abram right now, right? We won, okay? It's a good battle, yay. And, and it's, it's a pretty high point, right? Lots of achievement in that moment. And then Genesis 15, 1, and it says, after these things, meaning four kings defeated, all of this stuff had just happened. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Yeah. Say thank you for visions. Yeah. Thank you for visions, right? And the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So he's had all this success, right? He's had tremendous success, and God pulls him straight back to the main thing, and he says, listen, I am your reward. I'm your reward. I'm your exceedingly great reward. And reward means your wage. It means your payment. It means your benefit, however you want to see that. And the Lord is going to him, Abram, I need you to remember one thing. Like, there's lots of good things going to happen to you. Lots of awesome things are going to happen. My promises, my covenant with you, it's going to happen, right? You're going to be the father of the nations and your seed will crush, you know, all of that stuff. And he's going, but I need you to remember something. I'm the reward. I'm the reward. I'm the reward. Not the stuff. The stuff is not the reward. The blessing, the benefits is not the reward. He's the reward. God, right? Knowing Jesus, having a relationship with God, being able to walk through valleys and low places, because who, who knows that the whole journey in the Lord is about death and resurrection. That's your life. That's my life. It's death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and what will He do? And I will exalt you. Death and resurrection, Right? It's constantly the tension of our walk with the Lord, right? Where you go through suffering, but there's a resurrection on the other side. You go through challenges, but He comes through. 
And we've created this mountaintop Christianity where when it's awesome, it's awesome. When it goes bad, it can't be the Lord. It must be wrong. And we lose our faith or whatever it might be because life is hard now. And how is that possible that life can be hard if I'm a follower of Jesus? Well, if you read the Bible, it's kind of normal. Yeah? So it's not about circumstance, it's about a condition of the heart. It's about who do you know. Eternal life wasn't about being blessed all the time or having this all the time or having a miracle every day, which I love. It's none of those things. It's about what's on the inside. Who's alive on the inside? And how well do you know him? Is he still our reward? Is he still our exceedingly great reward? Because he deserves to be. He deserves that, right? He's worthy. He's holy. Right? Neither death nor resurrection is the goal. The goal is him. It's, it's not about the valley or the mountain. That's not the issue. The issue is about who's with you in both of them. And how well do you know the one? How well do I know Jesus in the valley and in the high place? How close can I get to him? Because he is much greater than anything you had. I don't know. Last year we went through a season. It was tough. So it might be a bad example, but I'm going to use it anyway. And it, it was quiet. It was just quiet. It was like, you know, Jesus, I'm here. Theologically, I know you're here, but really, are you? Because... <laughs> I don't know. <coughs> it feels a bit quiet. <coughs> it's like the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. Yeah? It's that. And I'm thinking, Lord, you know, a whisper would be cool, just something. And it went like that for a couple, it felt like months for me. And I remember I said to Maurice at some point, I'm like, Things are pretty hard right now in general in the ministry. It's, it's not awesome what's happening around us. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really ready to quit again. Yeah. I don't know how many times did you want to quit in nine years, but it's like almost weekly sometimes in the village for me, right? And you're like, oh, you've got the word of the Lord. You've got to stay. Anyway, no, just kidding. And anyway, so I'm going through this. I'm just like, why? Because he's not speaking. And finally, when he spoke, it was like this one-liner. I'm just like... Okay, now we can carry on. You know, it's just like, why? Because he's the reward. It's, it's when he speaks, nothing compares to that. Nothing compares to being close to him and feeling Jesus and being with him and, and, and having this relationship that's alive. And it's not one way because he is the reward. When he whispers in that hard time and you go, Oh, he's with me, or there's a sign or something, and you just, Scripture comes alive, or it's a dream or a vision, or something happens, and you just go, I can do this. Why? Because he's with me. He's the reward. It's not the result as much as it is the one who's with me. That's, we, we have to get back to that place as believers, as the church. A desperation in our hearts to say, Lord, this is all we desire is you. We need you. And not just the songs that we sing where we say we need you and nothing else, but we actually mean we need you. It's, it's you. You're the reward. My exceedingly great reward. 
You're the abundance that I've been looking for. You're the, the goal. You're the purpose. It's you. It's, it's having a face-to-face -face moment with the God that made everything, that made me, that made you. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing the heart of Jesus. That's the goal. That's the goal. You know, Paul, Paul, I mean, the Apostle Paul, right, wrote three quarters of the New Testament, heavenly encounters, knocked off his donkey or horse, whatever he was, on the road to Damascus, right? Probably a horse, because <laughs> it was Paul. <laughs> Saul back then, yeah, right? Like some guy had this encounter in the third heaven. I don't know who he was. I'm not going to tell you, but we all know it's you, Paul. You can just say it. Kind of, you know, it's Paul, right? And he goes in Philippians 3, he gives, his, he, he, he gives his story. We all know it. And he goes like, I was a Jew of the Jews. I, you know, and, he, and he gives his resume, basically. And you go, this guy's amazing. Because it's really hard to be a Jew in that level under the law, and you feel like you were successful. Right? So the discipline of this man is on a different planet, right? And he goes... It's all garbage. It's all dung. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. It basically says it's crap. That's what he says. That's what he says. And then he makes this statement. He goes, and this is so that I may know him. I say, all of it I count as garbage. All of it I count as rubbish. I don't want it. The one thing that I want, he says, is, and this is so that I may know him. The Amplified adds words, experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and his sufferings, the fellowship of his sufferings. We all love the power of the resurrection, but nobody, we all kind of stopped the verse right there. We're like, that's it. I want to know him. I want to know the power of your resurrection. Thank you very much. Skip that verse. Let's go to 11, all right? And the fellowship of his sufferings. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Because what's the point? I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. After everything that he's seen, he's raised the dead, you know, revival in Ephesus, cities turned upside down, all, everything he's seen, and he goes, you know what? I want to know him. I have a desire to know this one we call king and Lord and friend. I want to know Jesus. I want to get back to that place. I want to get back to that place. Because the point is, if Jesus is enough, then disappointment kind of drifts into the distance. If Jesus is the reward, plenty of other things lose their importance. The sting of life gets removed a little bit because I go, oh, he loves me. I know him. I saw his face this morning. I had fellowship with him. He spoke to me out of the word. In prayer, I could feel him move my heart. He's doing something on the inside of me that I don't have words to, un to explain and understand. That's the reward. That's the reward. You know, 
Paul prayed it as well, Ephesians 1.17. You know this stuff, but he says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, think about that a little bit. The Father of glory, right? Majesty, splendor, wonder, the Father of all of that, right? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's quite a statement as well. So let us not forget who the Father is. <laughs> the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, right? So Paul is going, right? And he starts bringing it in. May grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the true knowledge of the Son, of Him. So apostolic prayer that Paul writes, like, you know, and he's like, this is what you guys need. You need to know him. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can understand who the Father of glory is, that you can understand who the God of the Lord Jesus Christ is, and that you can know who Jesus is. Not know, but know. Man, we've got to get past theological truth into experiential expression of what we know. Right? Too much is theological truth, and that's awesome, but it must become experiential must become practical. Otherwise, it's just knowledge. And it's not the knowledge of God. What was the trap in the garden, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil versus the tree of life? It's knowledge versus life. It's knowledge versus feasting on the Son of God, the tree of life. It's knowing this is right, this is wrong, that's bad, this is good, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Have you feasted on the tree of life? That's, the, that's what he's asking, right? That's what got us out in trouble in the first place. It's like, I want to know, have you eaten from the tree of life? Because you, if you eat from that tree, you'll be able to know what's good and bad. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll discern it a mile away. Don't worry. You just get your eyes on Jesus. Focus on him. Get back to Jesus. We're confused. People are confused this way, that way. Vaccine, no vaccines, conspiracy, no conspiracy, this, that. Who cares? Can we just live, man? Just get back to Jesus. Do what he asks you to do. Just live your life. If you don't want to get the thing, don't get it. If you want to get it, get it. I don't care. I really don't care. Just do what you want to do. Just don't fight with me about it. Leave me alone, right? Can I just live my life? You live your life. Bless you. Awesome. Just enjoy each other. Enjoy the fellowship of God, the reward that is the Lord. The stuff we thought about in the last two years, it is insanity. It's like, did we just fight about that, really? <laughs> it's crazy. What are we doing? It's the knowledge of the tree of good, the knowledge of good and evil versus the knowledge of the Lord. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we eat from the tree of life, and we are fed by it. And Paul says, this is what you should want. This is good for you. Let's pray that. Because the thing is, it is beyond knowledge. Do you understand that? When we enter into the knowledge of God, it's beyond human understanding. And it goes into encounter. That's different. Human understanding, Ephesians 3, he actually prays it, Paul. Another apostolic prayer. He says, I pray that you will get and grant the power to understand the knowledge, the height, the depth, the length, the, you know, the width of God, the love of God that goes beyond Knowledge. So what is that? If it's beyond knowledge, what are we talking about? 
a spiritual encounter. It's a truth that is too deep for the mind of man, and it's not something you can reason yourself into, but it's something that God imparts into your heart by feasting on the tree of life, who is Jesus Christ. It's completely different. That's what Paul is saying. I had knowledge, but I didn't have an encounter. I thought I knew who God was, therefore I persecuted the church because I thought I was doing a good thing. That's what he's saying. But I never knew who Jesus was. Whew. Are you hearing that? The biggest persecutors of the church are still thinking they're doing it for God, but they don't have an encounter with Jesus. And they're dividing the body. But we lost the heart of Christ. We lost the heart of Jesus in the process. Right? Moses, let's go to Exodus 33. You want to jump there? It's Easter, so I know I have so much time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we're just going to hang and hang. All right, so Exodus 33, we're going to read from verse uh, 18. Famous, famous Moses intercession moment, right? Famous moment. Again, let's just catch this a little bit. So Moses... Uh, been on the mountain with God now for, I don't know, 40 days or something, right? Then the Israelites lost their minds and out-jumped, according to Aaron, out-jumped this golden calf. Hmm. <laughs> wasn't me, it just jumped, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the devil made me do it, right? <laughs> Uh, or the pressure of man. So, so Moses, before that, he's on the mountain, the mountain that's on fire, by the way. Yes, smoke is coming off the mountain. Everybody else is too afraid to go up because there's lightning and the cloud of the Lord is on there and thunder and stuff. The 70 elders went in there. I don't know where they are now, but they went up. Never said they came down. True story. Don't know what they're doing, but hey, we'll find that out as well one day, sure, right? And then they said when they're up there, the feet of God is there, and it's like the stones, like precious stones on this mountain. And Moses sits in that for 40 days, right? Exodus 33, it says, and Moses, and God spoke to Moses like a friend, Face to face, that's, that's what it says, just a couple of verses before. All of this is happening around Moses. Let's jump a bit earlier, right? Snakes or sticks become snakes and, you know, eat the other stick or the snake or whatever. And, you know, rivers are being turned into blood and, and plagues and, you know, parting the Red Sea and manna and the cloud by day and fire by... I mean, Moses has got a lot going on, right? Think about it. It's intense, the levels of God that's manifesting around them. It's intense. And, and then he gets to this place. So now he's arguing with God, or not arguing. God says, Moses, 
You're on your own. Right? You, you sort this out. The people, and it's so funny, God says, the people you brought out. And Moses is like, I, it's your people. I don't want them. Right? And God's like, I'm going to kill all of them. He's like, well, do it. It's not mine. It's yours. You know, it's kind of this funny moment. But God is checking his heart. He's checking his heart. What is he checking? Christ-likeness. Because what did Moses do in that moment? He said, Lord, remove me. But these people are your people, Lord. So Moses stepped into that gap. There was Christ-likeness in him. So all of this is happening around Moses, right? And then look at verse, verse 18. And then Moses goes, please show me your glory. And I read it again this week and I go, okay, help me here. You sat on that mountain now for how many days? What is it that you feel you haven't seen? <laughs> what is it that you felt that's lacking? And it, it was a moment, this. This wasn't a, ah, show me your glory. This was fearful in the Lord moment. It's like, show me your glory, Lord. Right? And as I read it, I realize Moses is doing what Paul did. Moses is going, I still haven't seen something about your nature. There's something I don't know and I need to know. I want the knowledge of God. I want to know who you are. But it's not about the stuff. I want you. I want you. Right? After everything, and he still goes, I want to see you. I want to see you, God. Unveil yourself to me that I may understand who you really are. Church, we have to get back to this place. This is it. This is our walk. As I want to know you. I want to see who you are. Show me who you are. And he says, show me your glory, right? And it's glory. If I think glory, I think of a lot of things. You know, I think of crazy miracles and reconstructive miracles. And I think the brilliance of God, the splendor of God. I think we can't stand because the smoke is in the room. You know, the, the smoke fills the temple. I think, of, I think of all of these things. And then God goes and, he, and it surprised me, maybe not you. And God said, okay. Basically, this is what he's saying. Good, I'll, I'll do it. And Moses, this is what I'm going to do. I will make all my goodness pass before you. Goodness. Did you hear that? Goodness. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. It's like, you know, God is going to, I don't know how to put it best, you know, it's like God is putting on his running shoes and he's going to show us how fast he can do a hundred right now, right? He's like going, okay, can everybody just, you know, Moses asked, I'm going to show you who I am. 
I'm going to be good. I'm going to show you my compassion. I'm going to show you my mercy. This is God showing off and saying, that's it. This is who I am. This is my glory. Right? He could have done anything in that moment. He says, let me show you my nature. Let me show you my substance, who I really am. This is my glory, Moses. I'm good. Gracious. I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger, rich in love, merciful. And he goes, and it blows my mind a little bit because you read it, you go, okay, that's awesome. But after all these scenes, this is what God says. This is what you don't know about me. Isn't it strange? Let's carry on. But he said, God said to him, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. I'm going to jump into that now. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me and you shall stand there on the rock. On the rock, right? There is a rock. His name is called Jesus, the stone of offense, the stumbling stone that the builders rejected. I said, I want you to stand on that guy. And while my glory is passing by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and protect you. Shield and great reward, remember? Cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand. So he's like, I'm going to pass by, like literally stand, Moses, stand to the side, get in that rock face. I'm going to put you in there. I'll put my hand on you because you're going to want to peek and it's going to kill you. So I'm going to help you out because remember, I'm kind. And he says, I'm going to walk by and once I'm gone, I'm going to remove my hand. This has always bugged me. And he says, I'm going to show you my, my back. The King James says, my hinder parts. <laughs> Sounds nicer, my hinder parts. <laughs> Right? And I'm going to show you my back. And then he does it, and, and, and this is the response. Let's go to chapter 34, verse 6 to 8. He says, then the Lord did exactly that. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, listen to this, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. This is all glory, Right? Keeping mercy and loving kindness for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. What is that? He's justice. Aren't you glad that there's justice in the Lord? There's justice. He's just. He goes into the justice part. He's like, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to do my thing, etc., etc. Verse 8. Moses bowed to the earth immediately and worshiped the Lord. And I'm thinking, so you're in the tent of meeting face to face with God. We don't see this response. You're up the mountain for 40 days with God and you don't see this response. You see he's back and you collapse to the floor and worship. And I'm going, what is happening? So I check that word. Back also means, it's funny, but in the Hebrew, if you look at it, it means a time to come. Okay, now this is my moment here, right? So, so I'm sitting with this in this week and I'm going, Lord, help, what is, there's something I'm missing here. And, and I suddenly see the God who sees the, the beginning from the end, right? Because he's out of time, he's eternal. And this is eternal life that you may what? 
know me. So he knows everything from beginning to end. He goes this whole part. And I'm thinking he's seeing something, not that he's past because he's back, but he's seeing something that is to come. And the next minute I have this vision of this man walking to a mountain with a cross on his back and his back bleeding. And the Lord says, I cannot show you my face, but I'm going to show you the one who will be my face to creation. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's merciful, and he's compassionate, and he's kind, and he's gentle, and he's going to forgive your face, and he is my glory. Hebrews 1 verse 3, he is the glory of God. Jesus Christ is the image and the glory of God to creation. He is the face of God to mankind, right? I believe Moses saw the cross. I believe that's why the Lord says, let me show you my glory. And the Lord said, this is it, Moses. It is when God becomes man and he walks among us and he carries a cross and he says, listen, I'll... Tozer says it nicely. He says, the cross was when God's lightning rod, right? It's the lightning rod of God against sin was conducted through the cross and it should have come to us. And all that remains is the light of his love for those that accept the man that hung on the cross. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory, Lord. Right? How well do you know him? How well do we, how are we still, are we amazed or are we going, I've heard the story. Have we lost our wonder for this man who's also God called Jesus? And Moses saw everything, but when he got that man on the ground, on the ground, how in awe are we? I'll never for, for me, I'll never forget that day. I'm riding in my car. I just got born again uh, just before I beat JC in squash back in those days. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> it was unnecessary, but I felt it was nice. <laughs> so I'm just so glad we didn't play rugby. That would have been really <laughs> detrimental to my futures. <laughs> anyway. So I'm driving in my car, and I'm, I'm newly born again. My life was a mess, an absolute disaster before I led the Lord. I've got so many issues, hurt, rejection, pain, fear of man. Just I'm a disaster, right? But I found Jesus, or he found me. And so I'm so happy. I'm like, literally, it, it feels like I was a dead man, and now I'm alive. I, I, and I know, we, but it, I can't describe to you what it, it was just, it's glorious, you know, you, the one day you just hate life and everything around you, and then you encounter him, and you're changed. Just, that's exactly what it was. It was just, I was changed. And I'm, I'm happy. For the first time in years, I'm just I'm happy again. Right? From a suicidal person, I'm just happy. And now I'm on fire. I'm a problem, right? Because I want to just do stuff for God, and I'm... I probably shouldn't yet, but I want to. Right? <laughs> I got born again yesterday, but we're going to take the world for Jesus. I don't even know what that means, but let's go, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's a couple of months in, and, and I'm driving in my car, and I'm worshiping, and I'm just, it's just awesome. You know, I'm just happy. And the next minute I'm driving, 
And, um, and suddenly I feel like this presence come into the car. I'm wet behind the ears with all of this stuff. I'm just going, okay. But I can feel this is not a kind presence. This is not my friend, this guy. And this presence comes into the car and, and this accusation just starts coming. You know, just like, and literally the words we all know is like, who do you think you are? And I'm going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, you cannot do anything for God. Like, I know what you did. And he just, and he's like, I remember what you did. Do you think you can do, like, no one will listen to you. You've got nothing. And it just went like that. And I'm going, oh, that changed. You know, that was fun. And now it's not. What happened? You know? And I'm just, I'm feeling this. And suddenly I'm, I'm crying, but it's not joy anymore. It's like, I feel this accusation and this guilt and this whole thing. And while I'm driving, it was, Centurion, H.F. Verwurt, I don't know if it's still the same name, but it was there. Driving under that bridge, and, I, and, and the next minute I just go into an open vision while I'm driving. And the craziest thing happened. I have told this story, but I want to tell it to you again, because it's good. And some of you need it. So I'm, 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 and the next minute I see this vision, it just opens up. I have no clue what I'm seeing. I don't know anything, right? And I see this courtroom and I see the father who's the judge and he's sitting on, you know, on his judgment seat. And I'm standing here and the accuser is on this side, the devil, and he's just going, but you did this and you did that. And he's just, why, why, why? It's like you watch pornography. What about those girls? What about the, the, you know, the theft? What about the drugs? What about your suicide? And he's just, and, and he's just going for it, Right. And he would go in front of the father and he would say, did you do that? Like that's, I'll never forget it. I'm going and he's like, did you watch pornography? And, and I'm about to go start confessing because I did. You get it? I did. Right? I did all of those things. I did do drugs. I did steal. I did, you know, break up families. I, I, I was a horrible human being, right? I, I did all of it. And I'm ready to go, yes, you know, just like, breaking almost. And the next minute, Jesus walks right in front of me and he stands next to me and he's glowing, right? The glory of the Lord appeared. That's it. And he's glowing and he's standing there and he's looking at the Father and it's just the softness on his face. And he looks at me with this massive smile. And then he turns to the enemy with less of a smile. <laughs> he doesn't like that guy. And he and again, the enemy goes, so did you do drugs? And the next minute, Jesus turns to him and he says, yes, I did. And I go, literally, I go in the dream. I'm like, no, Lord, you didn't. He said, son, I became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God. Like, I did it. Yeah. You see, that day changed me forever. Because the knowledge of the glory of the Lord came. Suddenly you go from knowing something to having felt it yourself. And you go, Lord, I am not worthy. I want to know this one. A God who would take a perfect holy God who would stand there and say, I did it. That's got to be worth getting to know him. A sinless, perfect lamb that just went, I'll take it, son. I'll take it on me so that you can become the righteousness.
so that you can become changed. Right? We are blessed incredibly by the love of this God. You know, I, we live in villages and, and uh, so our preaching is simplified often. You know, you've got to get to the heart of the thing and you've got to get to the simplicity of the matter. And so over the last seven years, my preaching of the gospel had to change to where, where I'm at in terms of what is the focus point of all of this? Because is it just about blessing? Because, you know, that's what we like to make it. Is it just about healing? Because that's what we like to make it. All of those things are included. We're going to get to that. Don't worry. What, what is it? And then the more I preach, the more I go, you know what's the thing is we are forgiven. And we all know it, but we forget it. The, the, the point is I'm forgiven. I deserved hell just like every, everybody else in this room. I deserved hell, and now I'm not getting it. I deserve to be on that cross, and then he took it. I should have said to the devil, yes, I did. And he goes, shh, I did. So that you can be the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. I once was blind, now I see. This is the story of our lives. And listen to me. The world made us lose this thing because we started measuring materially. We started measuring with blessing and prosperity. And we've got to get away from that stuff. He's going to give it to us in any way. Relax. But we've got to get back to the foot of the cross where we go, I want to know this one who's perfect in holiness, yet he says, I'll take your sin upon me just so that you can be with the Father once again. So Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I've got to see more about who this God is because that is not normal. Show me another God that's like that. There is none. History hates him. Because he rewrote everything. Everything was rewritten by this God that came and said, I'm going to humble myself, sacrificially die. And I'm going to give you a chance of forgiveness of sin. No cancel culture. Just forgiven. Forgiven. And that should make us go, I want to know you. I want to know you, right? We've got to move beyond surface and we've got to go deeper. We've got to go deeper into God. We've got to lose our hearts and our souls on him. Just pour it out on Jesus and just go, Lord, I don't know you. And some of you say, but I think I know him and I don't know how to know him. I don't even know how to love him. That's okay. That's a very good place to be. Then you go, I don't even know how to love you. Would you help me? Right? Remember when the apostles went, 
I don't know if we have the seed of a mustard seed. And like, I don't know if we have that side of size of faith. And he's like, help our faith. Like, sure, I'll, I'll help you. Because <laughs> that at least is something. The fact that you're asking means we're starting somewhere, right? <laughs> Just, Lord, teach me how to love you. I want to know you. I don't know how, but I want to. Why do I do? Stir a hunger in my spirit. Lord, I want to see your glory. Remember I told you I was in a quiet time and he didn't speak? Remember I told you that? I think I told it last year again here. Maybe I did. If I did, forgive me. But you were confused. You can't remember. I can see it. <laughs> this is what he told me after months of silence. And he goes, Hank, I want you to cast down your crowns. And I'm going, I want a bit more, but that's okay. What was he saying? Just... Whatever your rewards in me, whatever I've given you, I want you to throw it at my feet in the season. Let it go. It's not yours. And I want to give you new ones and you can't handle it because you've got the old one on your head and you're going to look funny. Some of us need to go, I've sat on the mountain with God. I've seen the Red Sea part. I've all of this stuff, all the accolades, like Moses, like Paul, and we just got to go, Lord, I just cast it at your feet. I just want to, I need to, I want to know you. I need an encounter with you. It's all awesome, but I need to know you now. If there's one thing the last two years taught us, hopefully, is that we really need Jesus. And that's what I want to minister to you this morning. We're going to we're going to fly. It's my heart's desire is that we're going to go big and we're going to do things and the cloud comes or whatever. That'll be fantastic, won't it? It would. You're very quiet. It's like, no? Okay, okay. okay. Me and JC will go and sit somewhere and try it. <laughs> you guys don't look excited enough anyway. Anyway, but whatever. I just want him. I want him to come. And before we get there, Let's just remind ourselves who's the reward. Who's the reward? And we all know it's true because you've gone through seasons where awesome stuff is happening around you, but the heart is cold towards the Lord and something is not right. And I can say it because it's true. I've been through seasons of blessing, financial, you know, all of this stuff. And you go, it's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. But I miss you. Like, I really want you now. It's awesome, but I want you. So let's cast our crowns down a little bit. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.